Hello, I'm Scott Soshman. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And today we begin with a report that Tiger Woods turned down millions of dollars by declining to play at a controversial event in Saudi Arabia. Well, the, I don't think the event is controversial. The location is controversial. <laughs> the fact that it's the Saudi government putting up the appearance fees and the prize money, that's controversial. Uh, in so much as, obviously, in, in the wake of the murder of Jamal, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, um, we saw Endeavor give back money from the, the Saudi government. Um, Tiger did not go last year either. He's not really making it political. Tiger said he's not going because it's far away. <laughs> I, I'm sorry that I chuckle because, you know, Tiger travels the world in his private jet to appear yeah. at tournaments all over the place. But apparently this one's too far away. But others are going and they're catching flack. And I kind of like Phil Mickelson's response yeah. on Twitter. He just told folks, I've never been there. I want to. I want the experience. You'll get over it. Yeah, it's funny. Wow. Part of me, you know, you see the Tiger Woods turns down $3 million opportunity headline. And, and a part of me says, you know, Tiger probably turns down million dollar opportunities on a, on a daily or a, a weekly basis. But you're right. This is interesting because it's a European tour stop in Saudi Arabia. It's year two of the, of the tournament. Um, and as you said, we have seen a number of sports and entertainment properties uh, who have drawn criticism, especially in the wake of, of the Jamal Khashoggi incident, have drawn criticism for partnering with and and, and taking money and going and to Saudi Arabia. And the Saudis, by the way, are using sport to sort of rehab soft, the soft, image soft and move ahead. Move. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, without question. Uh, so some of the big ones, uh, WWE, which did its crown jewel event right, in right. Saudi Arabia last year, I believe they're doing that again. Yes, yes. Uh, in the past week, Riot Games, uh, the big video game uh, publisher, they announced a big esports event that's going to be happening in Riyadh, I believe, in a couple weeks. It's the biggest uh, prize package for an esports event in the Middle East. And then another big one in the news right now, Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz Jr. are having their heavyweight title fight in right outside Riyadh this weekend in a venue that didn't exist ever, right? They're building it just for this event. They scored a $40 million venue prize just to, to, to move the event there. It, it angered a lot of boxing folks. It's going to be very controversial. Uh, it has been very controversial, will continue to be. Um, but just a reminder, you know, that, that there there's so much business and sports interest and entertainment interest tied up in Saudi Arabia already. And right now you're seeing Saudi Arabia, like you just said, they're exposing uh, their people there to more Americanized sports, if you want to call it that. No truth to the rumor, by the way, that they've offered us $3 million to do a live show <laughs> from Riyadh. Yeah, no. That's, that's, I think that's in I'd the say rumor. I'd no, can't no, confirm or deny. It's just too far away from me. I'd say no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't, it does not seem as though this is a political stand by Tiger Woods. Right? He has a golf course in Dubai. Yeah. It, it, it certainly seems this may just be a, I don't need the money and it's inconvenient. I just don't um, feel like going. Sure, and, and, and as you said, you know, Phil Mickelson is playing for the first time this year. Dustin Johnson won the event Isn't last he year. Skipping He's the going Phoenix back. Open? I mean, that's the one the fans love. Oh, the is most. that the waste management? Uh, the waste management oh, with the seventeenth hole. Everybody's the drunk best, and hanging the best around the, hole. Of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's missing it. For, for, oh, well, that's, for a, this trip. that's a double bummer. There will not be drunk fans uh, at the Saudi Arabia event. Uh, no, no, good way. point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, up next, let's talk hockey and what appears to be somewhat of a Me Too movement shaping up in the sport. Bar, what do you think? What have you heard about the hockey? Well, it, it's. I hate to say it. This is long overdue. Why do you Why do you hate to say it? Be, well, I think because that's right, yeah. It, it should have happened some time ago. And I mean, when I hate to say it, that's the part I hate to say. It's like, 
Why are we taking so doggone long? I, I can go on with hockey. I can go on with any professional sport where I've seen too much garbage going on against women, and it's got to stop. Uh, so, I'm, I mean, that's the part where I'm well, sad th- to say. Well, this you have, we had Don Cherry there's a lot of talking about here, immigrants yeah. you know, in Canada. Um, Babcock, you know, Mike Babcock, one of the biggest name coaches in the NHL, I believe the highest paid coach at the time for the Maple Leafs. Highest paid ever. Think, yeah, yeah, reports started to come out yeah. about things he had said and done and like kicking players. And then one of his protégés, Bill Peters, who was the Flames coach, uh, with racial slurs to uh, Akeem Aliou, who met with the NHL, by the way. So you, I have to wonder right now, Edmund, do you think every single NHL team is now running a, sort of these closer background checks on their coaches, on their assistants, calling them in, saying, is there anything we need to know? We need to know now. I would take it further. I would say that if I was a, in a professional sports organization of any sort, I, I would be worrying about, you know, the, the way... Coaches have acted towards rookie, people like in the past. Hazing, all this. Yeah, stuff. I Ma- never understood Mike this Babcock. Stuff. You know, asked a rookie player, one of the star rookies on his team, to, to rank yeah. every player from hardest worker to least hardest worker, and then told the veterans on the team where where the rookie had ranked them. Uh, Bill Peters also accused of, of kicking and, kicking, and punching. But think, think about Their this: racial that slurs are he also walked terrible. Walked into the yeah. locker room and throwing the N word around. Mm-hmm. Because there was rap music on, saying "I'm sick of this," and we're about, and didn't like didn't even fear that there'd be any repercussions to doing this. Yeah, I, and that was ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. I I am really look. I'm not expecting any coach now. Come on, fellas, let's go in and let's do it nice. And this, and I'm not expecting that. But at the same time, I'm getting tired of this mentality of just what you just said. This that I, I can just go powerful, in and say whatever the same well, thing I you, want. For anyone who'd say, well, why didn't the players say this or whatever? I mean, I look at the one with Mike Babcock where he pulled this power stuff in Detroit on Chris Chelios. Hmm. Now, Chris Chelios, on I mean, and it, was like, and it was like, you know, year 20 in the league for Chris. I mean, this guy's one of the bad, tough great players of all time and he had to acquiesce to the coach yeah so if chris chelios isn't kind of like maybe pulling his coach by the neck and slugging him and going to ownership i I don't know i don't expect some any young player to do that clearly there was a culture in the sport in these locker rooms where these guys were just all-knowing all-powerful and could do what they want and i think we've just kind of hit the the tip of this right we're we're seeing a lot of former players coming out on twitter on social media years ago in books and podcasts like Mm -hmm. the fact that they'd said these things like why it took now i don't know but some of these stories have been published well i think i think the me too comparison actually is is fairly good because you just kind of hit a critical mass and then suddenly a lot more people feel more comfortable adding their own personal stories to to the the ongoing list and i think yeah daniel carcillo on twitter former player brought in the sutters who are possibly the first family of hockey you know there's there's a lot more that i think is going to come out and i think there's going to be a lot more reckoning the one i'm interested to see here is also one one of the allegations against peters happened in carolina Mm. and ron francis also huge name in the sport of hockey is the team general manager he said i brought it to the top the owner i i addressed this with management and peter carmanos the former owner of what is the team now the hurricane says i didn't know anything about it so it seems somebody's ron, not telling ron the francis truth is the gm of he's the, the new GM, seattle yeah, team yeah, yeah. So he's got stuff to lose, too. Is I want, Mark I want, Crawford also caught up in this, mm-hmm. by the way? I want to go back to what we were saying at the beginning about the B2 movement, and and I'm going back to, to women also in sports. 
and and, it's, and you, the guys have been treated like this, and women have been treated worse. And it's it's got to stop. I again, I'm not asking for all right, everybody, let's have a group hug, but I am asking people to act civil. And, how how and, about this? How about this? This could be a good team policy. You cannot what any I would say preponderance of the evidence would one would seem to be abuse. You cannot abuse your employees. How about that? Yeah. Verbally, physically, you cannot abuse them. Oh, man. Finally. Oh. There you go. This one's for you. Oh. I chose this for you, Barr. Oh, there are tears in my eyes. Finally, a subject that is close to my heart. A demolition beginning at the Palace of Auburn Hills, the former home to my Detroit Pistons, the home of the Malice and the Palace. <laughs> That's pretty good. That was good. That's pretty man. good. Oh, this this is another sad moment. This reminds me a lot of when they tore down the Silverdome. Yeah, and uh, where the Lions used to play. And I give it up for the old Silverdome. That old lady. It took three bombings for that thing to come down. <laughs> it if I mean I'm sorry I hate to say it, but if the Lions had that much heart, we'd have four Super Bowls. Listen, by now. but why that is this, thing stood? But why is this worthy of discussion? Not just because you're a Detroiter. This is worthy of discussion because it changed the game of arenas. Yes, it did. I mean, this was a suburban arena that took it out of the city, basketball out of the city. How far outside downtown Detroit is You're, is you're, you're a good 40-minute drive. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so it had something like, what, 150 or so luxury suites sort right. of ushering in the kind of building that, that used that premium seating. By the way... You know what? You know what the price tag was on this building? By privately financed back in the day, was it 1988? 88. Yeah. 88. Yeah. Privately financed, 90 million bucks. Could you imagine trying <laughs> to build an arena now, now at 90 million bucks? <laughs> so, oh. so what do you think? Uh, so it was sold before it was torn down. It was sold earlier this year by Tom Gore, the Pistons owner. What do you think it sold for? Real estate play, essentially. You know, you know, you know, it's not going to stay up. 22 million. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What was 22 million? The, that's what the arena sold for. Oh yeah, but yeah. the whole yeah okay yes as a, essentially the, they sold the real estate yeah, of the arena and for twenty million they're and they have to tear park. they have to tear yeah. the whole thing out yeah, they're going to build a tech and park. then yeah. put in some residential and, and some retail um, do you I mean it, it, the, the the kind of the coda to the what you just said about how it changed the game for arenas is that you know it's empty now because they built a downtown Detroit and then everybody's arena going back and everybody everybody went back, back yeah downtown. everything's going do back do you downtown. think that this is we may see in the future an, another back. push back Perhaps. out to the to the suburbs or I, is downtown it, the way well i don't i don't think so because this time they they're doing something that really smart they're building the development up that around, all around yeah. there it's, yeah. it's all about restaurants and viewing pavilions and, and other entertainment mm-hmm. venues like LA Live so you get tourism there yeah, too right if you're you just in town you to can go, any yeah. i mean you have a casino there you got the mgm grand not far from there so you can walk to a lot of these places not far at all you can walk to yeah. canada if you want to. <laughs> you know just right over the bridge there if, if, if you want I, I but also, again the saddest yeah. part of the story Eben. yeah again we have to remind our readers the saddest part of this story is that if we you know look back at the lineage of the soshniks one half of the family went to the midwest and detroit became the Sosniks. They dropped the H. I don't know why. Mm. Then the poor part of the Sosnik family went to New York. Mm. Unfortunately, that's my lineage. And my uh, my cousin Bob, well, my, my late cousin Bob, was one of the partners with Bill Davidson who helped build the building, offered me a job at the palace mm. when I got out of school, 1988. Said, come to Detroit, work in the... They had an in-house studio. 
I mean, that's ahead of the time for, you know, come work Seriously? in the in-house I didn't studios. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And I was like, ah, you know, I, I Detroit. Uh, New my, York. Uh, I was kind of had in the New York mindset. Right, yeah. So I, so I didn't go. But in an alternate world, we could have had you calling the malice at the palace live as it happened. Yes, that, in an alternate universe, that could have been. <laughs> and me our say, guest is in the stand. What is going, what is Stephen Jackson doing? <laughs> anyway. Oh man, I'm gonna miss you. I'm sorry, Palace, but uh, you'll be close to my heart. Uh, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soschnick and Evan Novi williams We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week. We have Paul Rabel, professional lacrosse player, professional league founder, VC professional investor. Professional league founder. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know what to say there. Uh, but a very, a very impressive uh, athlete, both on and off the field, talking all things lacrosse. We just call him Super Dude. Uh, you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world, and online, wherever you get your podcasts.